Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back, Up Nexters. It's Gabrielle, and this week, again, we have a truly incredible guest who I am really looking forward to introduce you to, to not only share her story, but her really powerful perspective on what it means to be a young woman, an entrepreneur, and really a voice for millennials and politics. This week, we're talking to Kirsten Capel, who is the founder of a company called Galt Solutions, which is a boutique public policy consulting firm. And I met Kirsten, oh goodness, a couple years ago now. And since she has been extremely busy, uh, she's now engaged. She has recently joined Generation Opportunity, which is a phenomenal organization who we have featured here on the show in the past. She was also the national youth director for Jeb Bush when he was running for president during the Republican primaries in 2016 and has been featured in multiple organizations as up-and-coming leader, such as the Red Alert Politics 30 Under 30 and many, many more. So I am really thrilled to have Kirsten join us. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you on your new show. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. It's really a ton of fun. We were joking around before before joining uh, us live is, you know, I love this show because I basically get to not only feature voices of up and coming leaders, but I get to to brag on my friends and, and talk about really the not only the important issues, but the the leaders who are addressing it today. Kirsten's story is really unique in that she uh, started off as an actor and uh, really transitioned into being a voice for millennials in politics. And Kirsten, I would love to hear from you what that transition was. Your story is so unique, and I think it really uniquely qualifies you to represent our voice. Well, thank you. I appreciate those kinds of words. I, um, well, it's, it's an interesting story because I grew up um, just wanting to be part of the entertainment industry. I, I was, I think, came out, came out of the womb and, and was dancing right away and performing. And I knew that I, um, that that was my, my passion. So I pursued that at, at a very young age. Um, which I think taught me a lot about life, um, about dedication, loyalty, and persistence. I did that um, up until about 14 years old, and then I was picked up by a big-time agent, um, took a big leap, went out to Hollywood, California, um, did the whole pilot season acting, struggling, you know, audition thing that that children do um, if you're trying to make it in Hollywood. And uh, I, had a, I had a rough couple of years getting started, um, but I met a lot of really great people, and I ended up uh, finally being pretty successful. I booked a few movies, um, the Bring It On series, which I'm sure people are familiar with, and and other things that I was able to accomplish, including uh, animated voiceovers, and had a great time. Um, however, I, I was about 18 years old, and this was about in 2007, and I was living in L.A. Alo- alone, pretty much. Um, election season was well on its way. It was, gonna, it was going to be my first time voting. 
and I really got into politics there. And I got into it, I think, more so because I realized that my, I guess my values weren't necessarily aligned with all the people that were around me. Um, so I, instead of kind of going with the wind, I think it's fine-tuned who I was to be challenged, um, you know, in, in, a, in a very big city, uh, in a very big industry. So long story short, the economic crisis was happening. Um, the Writers Guild and Screen Actors Guild were striking, so movie production pretty much halted. And I think, you know, God works in mysterious ways, but, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, everything does happen for a reason, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of pause um, come home from, from LA back to Miami where, where home is and where I currently am. And I, uh, I was like, you know what, let me, I really love politics. I'm really getting into this election season. I've always been interested, really interested in politics or some particular issues since I was really young. Um, let me, let me give this a try. So I did. And, and I went to, uh, I enrolled in Florida International University here in Miami and ended up getting a scholarship to Georgetown University for public policy um, through a great program where I was able to intern and work on the Hill when I worked on the 2012 election cycle, presidential election cycle, um, and, and I had a great experience. I ended up coming back to Florida International University and had Senator Marco Rubio as my professor. Uh, he taught me for about five classes, five or six classes in my senior year. I was able to intern for him. Um, he opened doors for me and gave me a really great foundation to uh, public policy. And that's really how I kind of got my, that's really my transition, I think, from being an actress um, to to working at, as a political operative and commentator. And ideally, my end goal is really to be a political journalist, and that's somewhere where I'm definitely aiming towards, and I'm, I'm moving more into the communication side, which I absolutely love as well. That's incredible. And one thing that I really love about your story is many people we have on the show kind of talk about when things don't work out how you want it or when you want it. But for you is you worked really hard, you had a goal and you achieved it. And then there's that, you know, what now moment, right? Where it's not that everything worked out exactly how you wanted, never, nothing ever does, but you were able to make a transition to say, I've, I've achieved my goal. I've hit this mountain and rather than plateauing, you chose another mountain and, and you went after that as well. Absolutely. And you know what? It's not to say that, you know, I didn't I was I didn't sit in my room depressed for days. I did. And you know, that's okay to admit that people, you know, go through things in their life, uh, life you think that you're going in one direction with a career and a door slammed on your face and but but everything looking back has worked out just the way it was supposed to be. And we, I think, we, you know, young people, millennials, we try to craft our life and we try to always exceed our potential and work harder and harder, um, sometimes in a direction that we're just kind of spinning our wheels. And I think the lesson learned as I get a little bit older now is, um, you know, to, to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and just kind of live and let go. And, and just kind of see what happens. And I find so much more peace, so much more fulfillment in what I do. And, and, I, and I really stay focused on the mission of, of what I'm doing and why I'm, why I'm focused on, in particular, the millennial generation and trying to be a voice for them and a voice for um, young people who want more freedom, economic freedom, um, more, and more, just more liberty in general in their life to be able to pursue how they wish without 
too much government in their way. Absolutely. You wrote a really great article for Red Alert Politics earlier this year about how, you know, the GOP can't wait for young voters to get older, but we really need to be focusing on millennials and minorities now. Why did you write that article? Yeah, so it was interesting. I got right after the, the, the campaign for Jeb Bush ended, the presidential campaign, um, I got approached by the Georgia Republican Party. They were having their state convention, um, and we're really looking to expand their horizons um, in Georgia in particular. So they asked me to be a keynote speaker for, for that, and I, and I did, and I went up there, and I had such an amazing time writing that speech because, um, you know, it's everything that I've always wanted to say and never really had the opportunity to say it. It was something that I tried to embed in my culture at my own political consulting firm in Miami. Um, it was something that I tried to operate by um, trying to change the culture in the way that Republicans look at their their electorate and the future, um, trying to be innovative and more inclusive. Um, and then what's next? Because the truth is, if you look at data, I mean, you know, we, we need to start building a new bench, a, a new group of leaders and, reach, and reaching out so that we can, we can continue to prosper and, and young people can continue to prosper. So, so this is something that I felt like, you know, especially coming right off of the presidential cycle, working in, um, you know, in, 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 in the operations side of it. Um, that things were just stale. That is that they need the Republican Party needed a shake up, needed a wake up call. And I did write that article um, after I, I gave the speech at, in the Georgia GOP, just kind of recapping my thoughts on why the Republican Party needs to reach out to m millennials and minorities, and how we can be a coalition, and how they can change their brand, refresh their brand, change their messaging, um, and not necessarily waver on their principles. And, um, and and that was a big thing is that it's not about really compromising principles. It's really more about, you know, our tactics and the way that we engage and message to a new generation. Right. And a generation who it's not that we have different principles, right? We just have have a different viewpoint through which we receive and understand and even com communicate those principles. And I couldn't agree with you more that they're is a huge challenge, but also to a huge opportunity before us, particularly with a Trump presidency where we're going to have a Republican in the White House. We're going to have a Republican majority in the House and in the Senate. And if millennials are going to be taken seriously, this is really our time to to embrace that rather than than do what many of what we're seeing right now is is with the protesting in the streets uh, I was up in New York when when Trump was elected and I was there for the victory party and, and I stayed throughout the rest of the week and I was stuck in the middle. I was walking around Friday night with some friends and I was stuck in the middle of this this protest parade that I looked around and, and I saw so many of my peers, like people who I didn't know them, but they, they could have been my friends. They could have been people that I went to college with and I, I fully support and respect their um, their right to protest. I think that's incredibly important that we keep and preserve that here in this country. But I really wish, and my prayer is really for our generation, that we take this opportunity to partner with the Trump administration rather than, rather than protest. Uh, with your perspective and, and having worked on the, the presidential campaign side with, with Jeb during the primaries, 
what would what kind of advice would you give to millennials who are either protesting or who are really disappointed with the results of the election? Well, you know, it's a, it's a shame what's happening because I understand that they're frustrated and they're disappointed. And I think that we, you know, you're right. They absolutely have a right to protest. I think where it crosses the line, though, is when we're seeing acts of violence against um, people who may have been Trump supporters or, you know, signs that say great Melania or whatever it is. I think that that's just going a little bit too far because um, it's it's not doing them any service to getting their message across. And if they have a true cause and if they have a, a mission that they're going to be fighting for throughout Trump's presidency, that's fine. You hold him accountable to his policies. I, I'm okay with that. Everyone should be okay with people pushing back against uh, somebody's policies if they don't agree with them. Um, but I think what we've seen videos of, of people beating up Trump supporters or stealing their car or whatever it is. And, and I think that's just not doing our generation any service. Um, and we're, and we're, and we need to be taken more seriously and we need it. We need to sit at the table. We need to be heard and writing is not going to do it. Um, but I think that we do need, we, we need to wait. We haven't even been, there's no inauguration yet. You know, I think we need to wait to see like, (laughs) can he pick his cabinet and let's get him in in the white house. Let's see what he proposes on education. Um, what is his plans to create more jobs and help the economy? You know, and so I think on the, along those lines, I think that we just need to be a little bit more open-minded if we're going to be a generation about more tolerance, open-minded. Let's just wait because he also has been um, one of the most, I think, reasonable on gay rights, uh, one of the most reasonable Republican candidates or presidents on gay rights. Um, and he's also done extensive outreach or talk of it, at least, um, to the inner city communities. And I look forward to see what comes of that and what um, and maybe how the RNC can really partner with that administration to continue to build and bridge the gap between the inner cities, um, law enforcement communities and the Republican Party. And so I think we just need to sit back and wait. And I look forward to, to not holding him accountable, but also what, what he can offer and what opportunities we can take advantage of. Right. Absolutely. And with your role, I'd love to get some perspective from you as as a young woman in the the political industry, what are some of the challenges that you've faced as being both a millennial and a female really looking to provide perspective to a party that is, you know, typically old, white, man, you know, right, you fill in the, the stereotypes on, on that end. What kind of challenges, if any, have you had to overcome? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have. And I was asked recently if I think that being under 30 is an advantage or a disadvantage. And I do view my age as an advantage. Uh, I think that I'm really like, I'd like to think that I'm a perfect age to kind of bridge that that gap between Gen X and then the younger millennials, and then also relate and resonate with Gen Z coming up. And the voters that we need to start looking at, the ones that are, believe it or not, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you know, uh, sophomores and seniors in, in, in high school and getting ready to, to will be voting soon. Um, 
God, it makes me feel old. That's terrible. But, but so, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so honestly, I think that that's something that, you know, we're ripe for, right? Where our perspective comes, we have enough experience because we're old enough to be able to have been around a few cycles, um, worked in political operations or in policy in particular. Uh, and then also, you know, kind of bridge that gap and bring young, bring them up, bring them into the, bring the next generation into our party. Um, so that we're creating a, the, a nice bench for our future. Um, but I will tell you that my experience working within campaigns um, and also bigger, I think, bigger companies, I've also consulted for nonprofits, they're very institutional. And I think that a lot of millennials feel like their voice isn't heard, um, that they're not innovative enough. Um, and I think we're always trying to like kind of pr prove ourselves or, or um, provide all of our value and our, our perspective, and it's not always wanted. And there is a hierarchy, and there is a, a process. It's just something that you know I don't particularly love, and I know a lot of other of my peers don't particularly love, but it's just because we have come from a different upbringing, a different frame of reference, where we kind of we want to be disruptors and shake things up, and we know maybe we can do something different or better or have more impact. So that's always the conflict that I find. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And I think that if you stay, you stay at it and you don't step on people's toes too much, but you do push enough where, you know, you're, you're challenging others around you as well, um, then people recognize that. And I, I have found that that's a successful tactic to kind of work within the system. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great way of putting it. It's uh, that it's challenging the hierarchy, but respecting the people who are in charge. Right. And that's what's going to differentiate us long term. Uh, I meet with leaders every single week of, of companies and nonprofits and, and political leaders who are looking to engage with millennials. And the number one complaint that they have about our generation is that we are disrespectful. So I really believe if we flip that narrative and uh, even with these protests, if we showed that we were more respectful uh, than the rest of our peers, I think that uh, I think there would be some really interesting and exciting opportunities and doors that would open for us. So we have reached the end here of our of our of our interview. But before we go, I always ask our our guests the same question, and it's. If the 12-year-old version of you were to meet you now, Kirsten, and see what you're doing, uh, what would she think about who you are? Wow. Well, that first of all, that's a very humbling question. Um, I, you know, I think I think my 12-year-old self would be very proud that I stuck to um, to who I am and and my principles and my faith and my values, no matter what my task at hand has been. Um, and it's been, it's been an interesting ride of ups and downs and I've traveled a lot and I've been challenged a lot. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, the thing that centers me is my faith and my family, um, and, and my fiance, of course. And so I think that my 12 year old self would be really proud that I stayed true to my roots and that I kept, that I kept persisting. Um, and then I'm serving as a, a voice for young women and I can. I hope that I can continue to to be that. I'm, I'm. I feel very blessed that I'm able to have an opportunity to to share some of the thoughts and ideas of my peers. I'm so thankful that you had uh, the opportunity to join us and to share your voice and your story with our listeners. And I just want to acknowledge you for your work in this in this space for never giving up to use setbacks as launching pads. 
and for continuing to be that representative and to be that strong voice uh, in every season of your life. So we are really thrilled that you were able to join us and we cannot wait to hear more about you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. You, you're, I can't, you're my role model. You've been, you've been a role model of mine since we first met. So thank you for that. I appreciate it.